When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin, and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. everyone, Danny here and welcome to the It's All Cobblers to Me preview show. We'll be joined by Tom Lyons from Walsall's One Pod Beyond in a few minutes as we look ahead to Saturday's game at the Banks' Stadium. But first, Charles Commons, you're here. Hello, yes I Hello. am Danny. And, Hello. Uh, back to midweek therapy again. Yeah, Because <laughs> we're going to quickly look back on Tuesday night's defeat to Barrow. How are you after that, Charles? I know before we were talking, before we started recording, you said it's like a hangover, but you haven't been drinking. Yeah, I, I feel oh, I was so angry with the performance and with and with the result, obviously. And I, to, yeah, we're recording on Wednesday, and I genuinely just feel like that anger is still there. It feels like all of my energy has just gone. I maybe just threw it into like the shouting I did towards my iPhone as I watched on iFollow last night. It's that kind of, uh, I'm I'm drained by it. I'm drained by the performance, the result. I'm drained by Northampton Town Football Club as a whole. (laughs) I think because we'd had such a good result on Saturday and a decent performance, we were all quite happy on the pod recording on Sunday. Um, we then had deadline day, which was pretty positive. Yeah. I thought, like we brought in Bez Labala, mm. Louis Appere. Um By the way, if you want to catch 
our deadline day talk and go to a more positive part of them. Um, <laughs> it's on our website, I think now it's Charles, isn't it? To, uh, it to will be. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you'll be, be able to, time this goes out. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll be able to go back and listen. I think we did an hour on Twitter spaces and now we've, we're going to upload that to our website. Uh, so that was a much happier pod, but we'll try and be as positive as we can today um, because that was absolutely dire last night. It was one of them that we just... Alex, Alex Dyer. Alex Dyer, yeah. Danny Dyer. Um, <laughs> we just couldn't... If I say Danny was, Dyer again, does that count because it's the other one? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. Danny yeah. Dyer. Good. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was just one of them where we couldn't break him down, wasn't it? Like another, it was similar to the Crawley game where we just a team just came up, set themselves up, Fair play to them. Did their job completely right. Completely, game plan went completely to plan, and we just couldn't break them down. Um, yeah, and I was just so frustrating the whole night. I just like shouting feel... forwards at my laptop the entire time, <laughs> <laughs> and yet it just stays there, doesn't it? Your laptop yeah. never moves. No. Forwards move. No, no, the ball didn't move either. Uh, yes. <laughs> like Jack Sowerby with his sideways passes, and I did. Uh, for for me, it it was very much a a case of that. I think in, in, in today, looking back at it, you've got to give credit to Barrow because they came and did a job very, very well and, mm. you know, really did a number on us. And I thought Jason Taylor, j was incredible. I think well, he, he was He just, did exactly what you expect j yeah, to do. Didn't he? <laughs> absolutely. It was 100% a j performance and he loved every second of it. The point where him and... John Brady had a bit of a, a spat with each other on the touchdown. I mean, I loved it. I was yeah. like going, oh, and then I, I there was I was torn. I felt torn. I was like, don't don't you touch John Brady? And then I went, but don't you touch Jabo? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> there was an element was... of just like leave him alone. He's a he's yeah. a title winner. He's a legend. He leave him be. <laughs> but he's exactly the type of player that Barrow need right now, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Like. Um, and he hasn't been playing that much. He just seemed to come in last night and just did a proper job on us. And he, he like embodied what Barrow were in terms of like sh- shutting up shop, nothing going past them. And it, uh, t- honestly, I was surprised by them, by how organised they were. So I just thought, and that's probably something to do with the psychology of how we approached it as well as a team, that I was just expecting us to roll over them. And that mm. was obviously completely wrong. I should have known better, really. But I think I said very uh, very casually in the group, full of confidence uh, in yeah. the predictions thread on Slack, 9-0. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, didn't age yeah. very well, did it? We, sh- we should know better by now, but it's no, it was it was dreadful. But anyway, um, to kind of hide that result, the club have put out <laughs> the um, 125th anniversary shirt this morning, conveniently, just to kind of raise spirits again. Uh, oh. Chocolate and blue, we kind of knew it was coming. Um, it's going to be worn for the club's 125th birthday against Tranmere uh, next month, March mm. the 5th, and it's going to be next season's third kit. I love this. I don't know what you think, Charles, but I love I, this. I am ready to throw all my money in the air and throw darts at it in the direction of Sixfield so that they <laughs> can collect all the money and then give me a shirt in return. Yes. It's it. very nice. It is it's very nice. really very nice. I, I, I was a bit, um, not con- concerns the wrong word, I was wondering how they were going to do the names on the shirt because of the mm. fact that you've got the light blue and then the darker colour of the chocolate because... Obviously, to get names onto you know a dark color, then you're going to have to make the names light, and yep. 
vice versa, but it looks like what they've done is that they've only put the names on the the, the light blue side, the which blue I think side. looks really smart. Mm. So yeah, I mean, yeah. I, can I can I just say that I don't quite know whether how which what I love more. Do I love the shirt or do I love Fraser Horsfall wearing the shirt? <laughs> He is an attractive man. He is. When you sent that picture, I thought, have we made a new signing out of the blue? But, <laughs> out of the chocolate blue. Out of the chocolate blue, yeah. Um, but no, it's just something different, isn't it? I think they are going to see it a lot in away games next season. Um, probably for the rest of this season once it's out as well. It's something a bit special. And the names you're talking about is the names of the season ticket holders who donated their refunds from the lockdown season. So yes, nice we won't go into that. Just no. <laughs> Ah <laughs> uh, dear, but anyway, that's enough of enough of us. Let's get on to Walsall. Uh, to help us preview the trip to Walsall is Tom Lyons from One Pod Beyond. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, chaps. How's it going? Yeah, it was all right till yesterday, till last night. <laughs> until yeah, Tuesday. Th- thankfully, we didn't have a game last night, so no. <laughs> uh, I'm, I was happy with that. To be honest, yeah. yeah. Um, so this season for you, especially. Um, Matt Taylor, obviously former Cobblers player. Um, I think it was one season, wasn't it, Charles? Matt Taylor was... Yeah, one season one. in League yeah. One. Yeah. I think potentially drifting a little bit to the next one, but yeah. Uh, untested as a manager, really, for the most part. And it's been a little bit of a struggle so far, losing your last five games, is it? Um, yeah, how- five five games on the bats, and I think we've won the the charge sheet is two in the last 15 oh, is in that total. Right? So, yeah. yeah, it's pretty grim at the moment. Yeah. Oh, well, How that's is... a Walsall win coming then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the worst possible thing to say to us isn't it? <laughs> is that uh, we're a great team to come and play if you're in a bad run of form. So I'm sure everything will be right. <laughs> um, how is Matt Taylor doing like overall? Uh, I, I think he's in danger of uh, of losing the crowd, to be honest. Um you know, there was um, positivity when he uh, was announced as the new manager. It was something a little bit different after, um, obviously, he replaced um, Brian Dutton, who had in himself replaced Daryl Clark halfway through last season after Clark j- jumped ship for Port Vale. Um, and it was an interesting appointment. You know, um, he was a bright up-and-coming manager. We'd heard good things from um, Spurs under 21s, but the sort of, you know, youth team that he'd been looking after. But at the same time, of course, um, he's very inexperienced. And I think that inexperience is starting to show, unfortunately. He's um, sort of wedded to this 4 2 3 1 um, system um, and shows absolutely no inclination to change it. And something does need to change because we're not only are we on a terrible run, we look completely bereft of any idea of, um, you know, how to take control of a game. Um, we're desperately lacking in creativity and we've got very little threat up front. I mean, the the game against Bristol Rovers at the weekend was a classic example. Um, Rovers went down to 10 men after 40 minutes um, and, you know, we still didn't create much. We still had one up top. Um, we were still lumping balls up to poor old George Miller, who hasn't scored since, well, he scored one goal in 17 games. Um, he scored recently, but that was a deflection that sort of went in off him. Um, his confidence is desperately low and, and the whole team looks shorn of confidence um, and Taylor at the moment doesn't look like he knows how to change it. Mm. Has um, has anything changed in the, during that five games? Has it just literally just been the same kind of performance? I mean, yeah, we, we, look, we look sort of 
bereft of confidence, as I said. Um, we've got very little creativity or cutting edge. When we do get chances, we tend to uh, miss them. Um, you know, we miss some horrific. Um, we should have been three 0 up against Bradford at home. Um, Miller missed an open goal from four or five yards. Um, actually, put it you know back to where it came from yes, rather than uh, in the in the direction of the goal. Um, Connor Wilkinson, um, again, one of our sort of marquee players that we signed in the summer, who's sort of flattered to deceive all season, really. Um, missed a really good head- header, um, good save from the keeper, but he really should have scored. Um, and yeah, when we even do get in good positions, we don't look like we're going to uh, uh, we're going to make anything of it. And um, you know, of those marquee signings that we made in the summer, very few of them are making any sort of positive impact. I mean. Um, Ash Taylor, um, who we signed as a as a centre half, um, who I think you you may know yourselves. Um, yeah, we'll come on to him later. But yeah, yeah um, he's already left, so um, he's gone back up to Scotland, and we sort of released him from his two year contract to free up a bit of cash because he'd been um, pretty poor and obviously wanted to go. Joss Labadie, um, who we were excited about signing, um, is is effectively a, a walking red card. Um, he's got nine yellows and a red already this season. He's one more yellow away from a from a suspension, and we'll almost certainly get it on Saturday because you know he's offering very little other than kicking people and, and picking up bookings at the moment. Stephen Ward's out for the season. It looks like um, who's supposed to bring a bit of um, sort of experience at left back, and and who has largely been dreadful, and he's now now as it looks like he's got a long term injury. Uh, Manny Month. Um, was suspended for seven games um, after um, a disciplinary issue last season when Tranmere were playing Forest Green, which apparently Warsaw didn't even know about, which is pretty unforgivable. Um, so we've been missing him for you know um, for the last five or six games. He's got a seven-game ban to serve, and I've already kind of spoken about Connor Wilkinson, who's who's really you know done very very little. He's clearly a very technically gifted player, but his his attitude just doesn't look great at the moment, and that goes for quite a few other players, unfortunately. Mm. Can can I just ask Tom um, with with Matt Taylor? Did he bring in an experienced assistant or first team coach or anything with him? I mean, because he obviously did, yeah. um, we've got we've got Neil McDonald um, assisting him, um, who the former uh, Blackpool manager, um, who's you know a very experienced. Um, number two and manager in his own right. Um, but you hear very little from him. Um, I mean, he's he's virtually completely silent and there's no, possibly what's more worrying than that is there's no um, sort of evidence of a plan B. There's no evidence that McDonald has taken Taylor, Taylor aside and said, you know, look, Matt, it's not working. Um, we need to try something mm-hmm. different, whether it's, you know, 4-3-3, whether it's... Um, you know, four four two. Um, we, we need to do something different because at the moment we're just in this desperate rut. And you know, apart from the personnel, um, very little is changing on the pitch. I don't know how you feel about this, Danny or, or Tom. In fact, but four three two one or four two three one, either one of those feels to me like it's the new four four two. As in, yeah, every has been team has to play it and. It's like, oh, that that's the format. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, you know, the formation that essentially we played in 2015, 16 when we won League Two and it, it did us okay. But it feels like maybe 
it's past its sell-by date already and that so many teams are now just, it's almost like a template that every team has to stick to and, and at least try. And then there is that sense of, well, if we change and we try something different, then, you know, we're sticking our neck out on the line. Whereas we could just go with the the flow of what everybody else does and, and just hope we've got better players, essentially, than the other team. I think as well, there's there's a sense that um, if you've come um, from a, a you know a very successful youth setup like Tottenham, um, then you can implement that style and sort of you know um, mold the players around it. And you know if you come um, seventh or eighth in your league of ten, it's not the end of the world. But um, when you're struggling with it for a team threatened by the trapdoor of relegation into the national league. You know, you've got to try and change something. Um, and there's, you know, there's no sense that, as you say, it's a very fashionable formation, but he seems completely wedded to it and completely um, bereft of ideas of, of how to change, you know, with the players that he's got at his disposal um, and the results that we've been getting, which, you know, something has got to change. Mm-hmm. How deep does it actually go to you, like, do you think, to the fans think? Because you've got Jamie Fullerton in there as technical director. Um was that something? Was that a new position, or was that something that he just replaced somebody? Yeah, no, it was brand new. It was. I think the the chairman Lee Pomlet felt he got his fingers burnt with Clark. Um, there was very much an element of uh, of jilted lover about it. I think um, you know he he um, had brought uh, put all his eggs into the Clark basket, and then Clark just upped and left um, in January because um, I think Clark felt you know this is only going one way. Um, after we sold um, Elijah Adebayo, um, who obviously is now absolutely, you know, ripping up trees in uh, in the championship. Um, I think once we sold him in January last year, um, he could see the writing on the wall and thought, you know, this is not going to look good on my CV. And to be fair to him, um, he's actually doing okay at um, at, at Port Vale, um, which again leads fans to think, you know, maybe it's not this long list of managers we've had over the last 15 years who've, you know, Dean Smith aside, done very little, maybe there's something structurally wrong at the club, you know, and, and those are the sorts of questions that are being asked at the moment. So to go back to your original question, I think Fullerton or, or possibly not Fullerton, but, you know, the idea of having um, a technical director, director of football was a good one because um, I think Pomlet felt that there weren't enough football people at the club. Um, but... Unfortunately, I think Fullerton's strategy was to pack the spine with um, with experience and players he could count on. You know, Ward, Wilkinson, Month, uh, Labadee, and Taylor, and you know they've they've shown very little between them. Um, and as a result, um, other players in the squad have had to pick up the the slack. And I don't think they're you know I don't think they're up to it. To be brutally honest, if you've got the your sort of five main. Um, marquee signings underperforming, um, it puts a lot of onus on the other players who, who you know, probably weren't that good to start with. Um, so then you're scrabbling around for results, which is what we're doing and looks like we're going to be doing for the end of the season. And um, transfer window-wise, um, have you done enough this month, do you think? I mean, I, we had a talk about this um, sort of with, with some of... Um, uh, our people on 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 Twitter, Warsaw fans on on Twitter, because we sort of said we summed up the the transfer window by saying it looks like the same strategy that we had 
last January, which was to, we had a cushion of about 10 points to the bottom two. Um, and it looked like we were going to be very conservative um, and just see if we could scrape through the rest of the season um, and, and avoid the bottom two, which last season we just about managed to do. Um, this season, the signings look slightly better potentially, um, certainly up front where we've brought in um, Devante Rodney, um, who had a, had a pretty good season at Port Vale last season, but hadn't really done anything this season. Um, so it's a new start for him. Other than that, we've really been struggling at centre-back um, through, you know, um, Taylor leaving and, and Month being suspended. So we've brought in Donovan Daniels from Crew, who's pretty experienced and, and started off really well in his first game um, against Bradford, but then um, had a bit of a, a howler that gifted Bristol Rovers a last-minute winner on Saturday. Um, and then and then to replace Ward, we brought in um, Reese Devine from Man United, who's a sort of uh, young youth teamer who's been out on various loans um, and has obviously only played one game so far, so the jury's out on him. But yeah, I mean, certainly not a certainly not a great window. Um, probably more players went out than um, mm. than actually came in. And again, it looks like, uh, as I say, we're we're hoping that we can just limp um, to the end of the season. And hope that there are two worst teams. Yeah, Otis Khan was one that I was a bit surprised by to see leave. Was because I've always quite liked him as a player. Was he was he just not getting in or no? He... Um, he well, I mean. <sighs> <laughs> I I don't know if you can broadcast this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but but there is um, I won't go into details, but there is um, a very strong rumor about the reason that he left, um, okay. and um, it's to do with the contract that Walsall wanted him to sign, as opposed to the contract that Lake Norian offered him. Okay. Um, so I won't say any more than that. But effectively, um, we wanted to sign Khan, and I think. The, the rumours are that Khan wanted to sign. He'd done pretty well. He's the one sort of creative spark that we've really had this season, even though he wasn't here for very long. He only signed sort of halfway through October. Um, but obviously he's he's chosen to go to Orient. Um, and now we look very, very light in that sort of uh, that creative um, number 10 role or even, you know, coming in from the wing because... Um, that's what he's good. He was good at. You could play him in, in quite a few different positions, but he would give you a bit of a spark, and, and it's that spark that we're desperately missing at the moment. You've um, you've conceded fourteen goals in the last fifteen minutes of your game so far this season, Tom. Is that a fitness issue that you're seeing? I mean, one thing that you know we remember we had Matt Taylor at the end of his playing career, and the one thing that I know I was quite vocal about being against him was his essentially is aging you could tell his fitness wasn't quite there he wasn't really the player that he had been back when we got to watch him banging those silly ridiculous goals in on match of the day for Portsmouth and and things I mean is it maybe an element of the fact that he's kind of gone fitness just isn't there for you and it's almost like he's replicating the end of his playing career I think fitness was certainly something fans were concerned about at the start of the season there was definitely a sense in the first few months of the season that we were off the pace, um, that we weren't, you know, we weren't able to last um, a, a full game. I think since then, probably there, there's a myriad of other issues um, sort of contributing to it now. I mean, we're absolutely awful at defending set pieces. Um, we, we're no threat from set pieces. Um, and we can't defend them, which is a pretty lethal combination, um, and should be basically the, the first thing on your tick sheet if you're if you're setting up a team to be effective 
um, even half effective in League Two. Mm. Um, That's basically the only thing on our tick list in terms of scoring goals. So that may be quite happy. That's exciting. Yeah. So, I, I mean, and, and also the fact that we always look like we've got a mistake in us, you know, um, as as against Bristol Rovers, you know, 10 men, um, the goalkeeper comes out to claim a ball, the centre-back did this, the centre-back tries to head it to him, heads it past him and Bristol Rovers score. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, I think we're, we're, we're mentally weak um, as much as we're physically weak, to be honest. Mm. Uh, going forwards at the other end I really like you, you were talking about your creative spark being lost uh, Jack Earing is someone I, I really like as a player is he could he potentially bring that or is he more deep I know he sometimes plays deep sometimes breaks forward a little bit he's he's been playing deeper this season yeah we, mm. we were excited because we thought he was a classic number 10 um, in the sort of vein of um, you know all those great number 10s we've had um over the last decade from sort of Romain Sawyers through to Erhon uh, Ostuma. Um, and we've, we've definitely been missing that. Earring's been played um, in the two of the four-two-three-one more often than not this season. Um, he has occasionally played a bit further forward, but um, doesn't seem to... I think his confidence has probably taken a knock, to be honest. Um, he's playing in a really poor team. Um, and, he, you know, he's probably been one of the better players this season, but... Um, performances recently have um, have just dropped off a little bit, um, and I think now there's with Liam Kinsella and Joss Labadie are sort of um, very very similar players. You know, they're sort of ball winners, um, players who are going to break up attacks um, and then pass it on to someone else who can actually do something with the ball. Um, Earring theoretically should be um, that kind of player, um, but this season when he's been played in the number ten role, we've had kind of high hopes for him and it, and it hasn't quite happened so but he's still very young so um you know hopefully he's one of those players who, who can still evolve and won't be scarred by the experience of playing in this team this season so um so what's a good season now in the 14 points off the playoffs is it basically like you were saying before it's just all about survival or any kind of outside hopes of doing a Mansfield and storming up the league or no, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I mean, yeah, staying up is the is the number one, um, the number one uh, priority. Um, I was on a um, radio WM, the sort of local BBC radio station, the other week, and the presenter. I think we were equally. Um, it was an equal number point of points off the playoffs and relegation. Um, and the presenter asked me if I thought we could still make the playoffs, and I said I was looking down the table rather than up it. And unfortunately, that that's proved to be absolutely correct. And I think all of us are now looking down because it, this season is following exactly the same um, pattern as last season. That's what worries people, where we ended up having to go to, you know, South End and Grimsby, the two teams that got relegated, um, and get a result. We managed to draw both of those games just. I mean, we were very, very lucky, to be honest. Um, we could we could easily have lost both of those games and it would have been a lot closer than it, than it could have been. But already fans are looking at the games against Scunthorpe and, and Oldham and thinking, right, we, we just got to go there and, and not lose. That's the that's the whole point. We've got Scunthorpe next Tuesday and it, already it's, it, it's a huge game. You know, and unfortunately, that's the mentality of fans now is is looking at, you know, when we're mathematically safe rather than anything else. I think the other thing we might like to see apart from that is just evidence that Taylor is learning. And, you know, he's got the rest of the season now to get together with the rest of his coaches, 
work out a different system, work out um, what are the best players to play that system. Um, and I think as long as fans can see some evidence that he's he can see there's a problem and that things need changing, um, he may get um, you know a bit more um, buy-in from the fans because at the moment, um, you know the spirits at the club are, are, are really really low. Um, and I, I, I genuinely worry if we go one nil down on Saturday, um, I think the atmosphere could very very quickly get pretty poisonous. I mean, at the end of the Bristol Rovers game on Saturday, there's there's footage doing the rounds on social media of a guy who gets very calmly, gets out mm. of his um, sort of, sort of uh, seat or off the terrace at Bristol Rovers at the side of the um, away dugout and goes and talks to Taylor and explains to him that it's terrible and that you, you should not be losing 1-0 in the last minute to a, get, to a team who've been playing with 10 men you know, for 50 minutes. Um, and that guy, that guy, like I say, was pretty calm. He wasn't ranting or raving. He was telling Taylor that this is basically unacceptable. Of course, he was led away by stewards and Taylor was very, you know, calm himself. It wasn't a heated argument or anything. But I fear that on Saturday, um, if we do go a goal down, then it's going to get pretty poisonous pretty quickly. Mm. Um, I was going to, I've literally just been looking through sort of your history in terms of, your league position. And I've always sort of thought of Walsall as being, and this has confirmed it for me, more of a League One club. Um, You've essentially spent 75, I think this is, years in the third division, whether that be called the third division or League One. Obviously, this is now your second season in League Two. And looking back at it, there's almost been a little bit of a a decline. So since 2015-16, when you finished third and in the playoffs in League One, you've then slowly gone down the league table and then down the pyramid. So 14th, 19th, then got relegated in 18-19, 12th in League 2 last season and and currently sat in 19th place. Is there... You're talking there about the fact that fans might start and, and are actually starting to get on the back of the management team, but what about the ownership of the football club? How's that being perceived by... The fans at the moment. Well, if you've got a couple of hours, I can, I can talk you through <laughs> um, the, the the long and um, depressing history of the uh, ownership of uh, of Warsaw ever since we moved to the new stadium, basically, um, which was in itself um, a uh, something shrouded in controversy. Um, we basically built a stadium that was the same as Scunthorpe's. Um, and paid twice as much as Scunthorpe did um, to a, v- a variety of companies with mysterious links to various directors. But that's another story. Um, unfortunately, what that means is that for the last um, 30 years, we've been effectively paying to play in our own stadium. So we built a new stadium that we never actually owned. Um, and we we released our accounts this week, which showed... Um, that finally the um, cumulative cost of paying for both the ground and our training ground um, built by the previous chairman now exceeds half a million quid a year. Um, so effectively, that is a huge drain on us even before we've we've kicked a ball um, every season. Now, funnily enough, um, you talk about us being a, an established League One club, which is exactly right. We've pl- played more games in Division Three than any other team in history. You know, that mm. is a- absolutely our level. 
um, with sort of the archetypal league um, one club, or we used to be, because what's become clear over you know recent seasons is that we are simply not in a position to compete at that level anymore. Um, and a lot of fans are starting to question why that is, because um, you know we have even in League One we had one of the best um, turnovers financially um, of the uh, of any team in the league. You know we we make quite a lot of money. Um, but what people want to know is why isn't that reflected in the team that goes out on the pitch? Mm. Um, so we're, we're very good at diversifying. You know, we have a huge conference business. Um, we have loads of events that go on throughout the season. Um, there's a market on the, the car park every Sunday. Um, we once had to um, close the top tier of our stand on the opening day of the season because we double booked it with a wedding. Um <laughs> That is the that which is which is great. You know that's absolutely what lower league clubs have to do. We've got a giant advertising board that overlooks the M6, which you've probably yeah. seen if you've driven past it. Um, we own that and get the revenue from that. But none of this seems to be reflected in um, the team that we're able to put out on the pitch. Um, and there's no doubt now that we're uh, you know um, we are absolutely at a sort of mid to lower table. League Two club now. Um, that's what the last couple of seasons um, show us. It's there. It's there in black and white in the table. And as I said before, we've started to think. Well, maybe it's not all these managers that we've had. You know, um, I think in the last fifteen seasons, in only two of those fifteen seasons, have we improved on our position from the previous season. Mm. So it, it has been, you know, a steady decline, um, and. People are starting to to say, well, you know, maybe it's not the manager, maybe it's not the players, um, maybe it's the people who've been here for those fifteen years um, in the boardroom. Now, Jeff Bonser, who used to own the club and who still is the club's landlord and gets that half a million pounds every single season um, on a property which we still have to pay the upkeep on. By the way, um, we pay all the costs for. Um, upkeep and repairs and all that kind of thing. Um, he um, is just, or his pension fund is just sent a check for half a million quid um, every season, whatever. Um, he left a couple of years ago um, and there was a transition to another board member, Lee Pomlet, who I've already mentioned. Mm. Um, and there was a lot of goodwill for Pomlet. Um, I, I think largely because he wasn't Jeff Bonser. Um, and he, you know, he did things that Bonser was incredibly reclusive, um, would speak to the fans, um, once every five or six years, basically to berate them for, you know, whatever shortcomings he felt they were guilty of. Um, Pomlet's much more of a communicator. Um, but unfortunately at the moment, that appears to be the only difference. Um, because, you know, the, the, um, chief exec is still the same. The club secretary is still the same. The people who run the club um, are still the same. Um, even he was a board member. He wasn't a completely new person who came in. Um, and so people are starting to question whether there, you know, whether this was a genuine new broom or whether it was just a continuation of the old regime that had been slightly rebranded. Um, so yeah, we, we're we're not happy bunnies at the moment. Um, and you know we 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 don't think we have any divine right to be anywhere in the league, despite you know our natural position, as you say, uh, generally being in the third division. But um, at the moment, it's it's just dispiriting because it is it's decline 
um, you know, on and off the pitch. Um, the, the stadium itself has seen better days. Um, but, um, of course, we're still paying all that money um, to play there every season. So it's, uh, it's not a happy fan base at the moment, to put it mildly. Uh, what would you what would you do to change what would you be the do the be like come up with or what do the fans think would be the things that would change all of that do you think um well lee pomlet's great sort of um uh objective is to reunite the club with the freehold so that the club again once again owns its own ground mm-hmm. um which would be a great start um he says that's um, ongoing and discussions with Jeff Bonser are ongoing um, and it's something that will hopefully happen within the next sort of three or four years. That's the timescale he's put on it. But until then, um, I think there just needs to be change at the top of the club. They need new ideas. You know, it, it's a, your, your fans will come to um, the Banks' stadium on Saturday and there will be nowhere to have a drink um you know that uh, i think they might have some a couple of taps in the away end but you know there are there are no pubs near the ground um there was a social club that has now closed um because it was in such a state of of disrepair um and they haven't reopened it um so it's not a pleasant place to go and watch football there's no reason to go and watch a game at warsaw unless you actually support them for sort of floating fans um, you're much better off going to a local non-league game where you know you can have a pint watching the pitch, and you know it's a tenner to get in, um, and you can have a you can have a laugh with your mates. Mm. Also, for the floating supporter uh, or the next generation of supporter, there is very little to mm. get you excited. You know, there's um, we have a horrific um, history of um, you know awful catering, um, terrible beer, um, and you know fans have shown these days that, you know, they're, that's not what they want. You know, they want stuff like um, Accrington have got where, you know, you've got um, a fantastic supporters bar and, you know, a, a historically a, a much smaller club than Warsaw, a kind of getting people in because they want to go and experience something and have a, you know, something nice to eat, something nice to drink, um, maybe a bit of music or a bit of, you know, a bit of something to do to make you go there um, an hour before the game, whereas most Warsaw fans and most away fans, if they've got any sense, will get to the ground. You know, they'll they'll eat and drink in Birmingham or in the middle of Warsaw, and then they'll get they'll get the train or the bus or whatever to the ground ten minutes before and then walk in. You know, yeah. it's it, it's not a place that you want to go, and that's the main thing that needs to change. They need to do something um, to you know, re-engage um, with um, with supporters who have either got fed up of it or are looking for something a little bit different than the Premier League and Championship games they can go to within, you know, there are four Premier League and Championship teams within a 10-mile radius of Warsaw. So you have to offer something different. And at the moment, the reason it's different is because it's worse. You know, it's worse than those teams. So why, why would you go unless you'd, like my son, um, been brought up, as a Warsaw fan. Um, and at the moment it feels like that's, a, you know, you feel almost feel guilty for sort of getting your, getting your kids to, um, to support them. I mean, there've been horrific stories on shared on social media of people who say, you know, I've been taking the kids for four or five years and they just don't want to go anymore. 
You know, they're fed up of watching a team lose in a, you know, a soulless corrugated steel stadium um, underneath the M6. You know, it's um, it, it's not a happy place. Mm. So, obviously, a lot of stuff to unpack there. And we, we just need to kind of finish off with a couple of quick fire questions that some of our listeners will probably come and hunt us down if we don't ask. <laughs> so it's probably going to change the subject completely. But a couple of quick fire ones. Uh, firstly, why did you let Liam Roberts go? Because he's been one of our players of the season. So it, had, it had just really gone stale for Roberts. And I'm pretty glad that he's he's doing well there. I mean, you know, nobody harboured any sort of ill will about him going. I think it just, he'd been playing in a poor team for, you know, two or three seasons. I think his confidence had taken a knock. Um, and it was probably just the right thing for for us to part ways. I mean, you know, we've had you know more than more than one player over the last few years who you know has been poor for us and then gone on to do really well elsewhere. I mean, Dan Scar is a good example who's you know done fantastically well for Plymouth in League One after being released by us. Um, and Roberts was was another of those who clearly had talent but was just. You know, his confidence was so low after playing in a poor team and he just needed a new start. Yeah. Um, Secondly, uh, another ex-player of ours, you mentioned him earlier, and I almost spit out my water, uh, and I'm sure a lot of listeners did, when you said, marquee signing Ash Taylor. Um, Can I just get a very quick sentence on Ash Taylor from you, please? Yeah, it, it, he came in and he just wasn't very good, unfortunately. I think, you know, we, we were warned. Um, but you sort of, I think sometimes League Two fans forget what an average standard the Scottish Premier League is. And we all, mm. you know, we saw, oh, he's been up at Aberdeen and, you know, playing in the Scottish Premier League. And um, no, he was, he was, he was terrible. There was one game at Hartlepool where he was, it was genuinely one of the worst performances I've seen um, from a centre half. I think he was he was responsible for two goals and it could have been four or five. Um and he was sort of bombed out of the lineup after that and and featured pretty rarely, to be honest. Um, hence um him upping sticks back up to Scotland again. Yeah. Did did you write a lovely message of goodbye <laughs> that his wife appreciated? <laughs> His his wife um, was quite uh, was a bit grumpy about mm. Um, mm. <laughs> a, about yeah. his time in the Midlands. Um, there was a yeah there were there were rumours that um, he because uh, he'd failed a COVID test um, earlier in the week and then by Friday he was um, signing for Kilmarnock. So it was a, it was all a bit it was all a bit strange. Um, mm. And a few people sort of called him out and said. Um, you know, th- this is a bit weird. You failed a COVID test, but you've managed to sign for a team in Scotland. Um, and then his wife waded into it and it all got a bit ugly. So, um, yeah, we'll probably leave that one there. <laughs> um, finally, to put to bed something that Jeffy w- was asking, our, our co-presenter, um, she remembers an orange kebab shop near your stadium. Is that a thing or has she just completely made it up? An orange kebab shop? Yeah, she, she reckons it's orange and it was right next to your stadium. Uh, there's nothing next to the stadium <laughs> apart from um, this was this was when she was 11, I think. So it was only okay. two years ago, Charles. <laughs> two, two years ago, yeah. <laughs> there's um, there's the retail part, but I don't think they have a don't think they have a kebab shop. I don't really um, uh, I don't think I've ever had a kebab before the game. So um, and I, maybe I come from a different um, route that doesn't go.
go past the orange kebab uh, <laughs> shop, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll I'll put it out on Twitter and see if anyone remembers it. Yeah, were they fond yeah. fond memories or? Um, oh yeah, did, very did fond. Oh, oh, she loved it. No, oh, she yeah, loved yeah, it. Yeah. Raved about it for yeah. about half an hour on the podcast. <laughs> okay. week. It was uh, that was a, that was an interesting edit. Um, <laughs> Oh dear. Um, should we move on to predictions, Charles? Have we got a jingle for predictions? Oh, we've got loads of prediction jingles. Excellent. Um, we'll, we'll go with this one because it was the first one that came in. This is from Roz. Great preview pods are on the way. Hopefully this time to stay. Will we win or lose or draw? What will be the final score? Other things to talk about? When will our Bernie get a shout? How many long balls will be kicked? Will there be any pockets picked? A board draw or a real ding-dong? You could be right, you could be wrong. But either way, let's have some fun. It's prediction time, so get them done. So, predictions. Thank you, Roz, for that. Predictions. Um, Charles, I'll come to you first for predictions. Um, I predict... Um, It's not ready. Didn't have it ready, did you? I didn't have it ready. No, <laughs> I, I, I was too busy faffing around with other things. Um, I wonder. I, 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 going back to what uh, Tom said right at the very beginning, which was about form and about set pieces. I think we'll score, but I also think we're going to lose. I think it'll be two one oh, defeat. I, I'm still feeling really downbeat. Yeah. That is the only thing that I can say to justify my actions here. A 2-1 uh, defeat two and against Walsall. Okay. Tom, how are you feeling about this one? I often get the, the mickey taken out of me for being far too positive on our own podcast, you know, predicting us to finish 12th, things like that. Um, but and, and usually I can find some sort of glimmer of light that says we might nick a draw or something like that. Um, I suppose... If he plays Devante Rodney and he turns out to be, you know, the the, the missing link up front, um, then you know w- we might be able to get something out of the game. But um, that's probably um, my heart speaking. My head says we'll lose two nil. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a one nil win. I think from a set piece from a John Guthrie header from a set piece. Nice. I'm going to go for, but yeah, um, from a Liam from a Liam Roberts uh, long <laughs> kick. Yeah, maybe it's, uh, then, maybe it's maybe it's nil nil going up to the end, and Lee Roberts charges forward for a corner. Yeah, that that heads would in the winner. Absolutely, go to form for this season. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Tom, where can we find your pod? Uh, one pod beyond. Um, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts and also SoundCloud, um, and you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Good stuff. You can check that out. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Charles. Well, thank you, Danny. You've uh, cheered me up immensely. Good stuff. Um, next week, God help us, we're going to go and try and find a Port Vale fan. So, <sighs> good, luck. <laughs> good luck. with that. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll see if they listen to this episode or not. But um, apart from that, thanks very much. We'll be back on uh, Tuesday with your usual show of joy. See you then. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. 
Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.